Welcome to season four of the Echo Podcast, where we uh, sit down with two other people and we talk about questions on faith, life, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We try to share our perspectives and kind of dive into these issues, and hopefully it's something that grows us all. Uh, Today's episode, we have two awesome guests with us. The first is Natalie Boonstra. She is a a hero of mine. Uh, She is an inspiration and a fashion icon uh, extraordinaire. She is incredible, and uh, she is a junior... Uh, student at Southern in public relations. Um, She has a passion for Jesus and a passion for others, and it's uh, really cool to see her heart for ministry and and for God. And excited for you to hear from her. She also is a part of the Flourish podcast, which is for Adventist women leaders in the North American division. So go check out Flourish. We'll include some links for you. And then our other guest is Benjamin Lundquist, who is the Young Adult Director for the Oregon Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He also works on that level for the North American Division and leads the Growing Young Project in the North Pacific Union. So someone who is very invested in young adults, he's someone that I met working at summer camp and someone who has a huge passion for summer camp ministries and pouring into them. And he also has a uh, awesome podcast called Rise and Lead, all about empowering leaders and leadership and understanding what your role as a leader is. And if you don't think you're a leader, you just might actually be one. And so go check out Flourish, go check out Rise and Lead. And I'm excited for you to hear from them on this episode. I'm Ryan Becker. Let's get started. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. So in 2020, one of the things that I've observed over the last decade um, is that I say I observed it like it's like an original thought. Everyone has observed this: the the further dividing uh, in and uh, the tri the tribing up that happens. Uh, not that tribes are a bad thing, um, but just just the idea of the the um, the group think that ends up becoming a major part of our identities. Um, to the point that we would say, if you are not of my tribe or my group think, then nothing you have to contribute is mm. or can even be good. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to disagree with you no matter what, how right you are because you identify differently than me. And that invalidates anything. Even the, even the good things that you say are still wrong because they came from a Democrat or they came from a Republican yep. or they mm. came from a you know, a Muslim or a Buddhist or uh, a white person or a black person or, um, a, you know, a Hispanic person. And basically what's happened is we've created in, in all facets of life, I think we've created this us versus them mentality or me versus the world mentality too. Uh, and so enemies have become very much more clearly uh, identified. I don't, I don't think we've, I, I don't think we've defined enemies well, but I do think they've become like we're, we, we are, very quick to pull the trigger and say, yeah, you are my enemy, um, whether we say that out loud or not. Um, and what's what's also happened then is as life gets compartmentalized into these different things, we now have enemies kind of in this category, in this category, in this category. Um, and so it, 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 and that further entrenches us in our own, I think our own worldviews and perspectives rather than listening because what we do is, um, we want to prove those enemies wrong. We want to show them they were wrong and that we're right. And it actually motivates us further to um, to recoil back in or, or to, to shell ourselves in. And so one of the biggest messages of Christianity is to love the other, to love your enemy. 
Um, in fact, I, I think it is in Matthew, is it Matthew 5 that is that specific part of the, the Sermon on the Mount? Um, terrible with biblical references is in my life. I know the general area. I know it's in Matthew 5 <laughs> through 7. Couldn't tell you the verses. Um, but where, where he says, you know, you must love your neighbor, you must love your enemy. Um, and at the end of that, he says, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is, uh, your, your father in heaven is, um, those are heavy words, right? Like that's not a, (laughs) and it's not like a suggestion. It's not like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you should consider loving your enemy, but no, you need to love your, uh, you need to love your enemy. And the, I think we've kind of lost sight of that a bit and it's easy to, because our first inclination is to not do that. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're, I, I want us to answer the question, and, and, and while, while adding the obvious disclaimer of the three of us are not experts, um, but one of the things, one of the privileges we have in this space is to be able to model what having this conversation is like and to be able to contribute something of value. And I think we can contribute something of value. Um, I don't think any of these important conversations should just be reserved to people with a PhD in the subject, right? Right. Um, but we need to learn how to have these conversations just as normal human beings, leadership mm-hmm. or not. Uh, so the first thing that we really need to do, um, and we get into a lot of trouble if we don't in this specific area, is I think we need to, def- to clearly offer a definition or offer a clear definition for these two terms, enemy and love, um, within the Christian framework and within the Seventh-day Adventist framework, though I don't think the two are different. Um, but uh, let's start with enemy (laughs) um what uh what would be a definition that you would give that when you hear this person is my enemy what uh what qualifications or what qualifiers are there identifiers are there one of you go i don't know (laughs) so um if i'm honest i think that this is a really hard question for me to answer and you may have noticed if you're listening uh, Natalie and I both looked just, at each other, which you might not have seen, with a little pause of, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. Like, no, yep. I need more time. I need <laughs> yep, time to yep, think. Yep. Give me time. You know, I think I think for me, the reason it's so challenging is I do, I do not believe in taking the victim mentality, you know, yeah. in my approach to life and mindset. And so, yeah. you know, for for in the way you set it up, Ryan, for somebody to have a differing opinion than mine, I would not consider that person to be my exactly. enemy yeah. Correct. because we right. think differently. For me, I would think of an enemy as somebody who is intentionally using their influence for my harm. Mm. And for me, that would be a very rare case, um, but it, it could happen. Like I was, yeah. you know, I had some uh, experiences in elementary school of being bullied i can remember one time walking home when kids actually walked to elementary school (laughs) or they rode their bike and i remember walking home from elementary school and these a couple group of of gentlemen who were maybe two three grades above me actually holding my arms behind my back while one of them pummeled me in the stomach Mm. now in that moment i would think those gentlemen they were my enemies like they really were in adulthood, that would rarely ever happen, like yeah. where somebody was really trying to either cause me physical harm, reputation harm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that is that is a hard that is a hard one for me. I think, you know, in this conversation, the challenge to love someone who you don't love, I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of value in that mm-hmm. conversation as well. For me, I'm not going to convince Natalie to think the way I do. And she's yeah. not going to convince me to think the way that she does either. Mm-hmm. So I think 
part of the one of the takeaways for this conversation could be somebody that doesn't think like you is not necessarily your enemy. Yeah, they right. just have a different perspective mm-hmm. than you. And if you are around somebody who truly is an enemy who is using their influence for your harm, my question mm-hmm. would be, why are you around that person? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're married to them. Maybe you work in a toxic environment. So, yeah, yeah that I would I would define an enemy as someone who uses their influence to harm mm-hmm. another human being. It could be emotionally reputation Mm -hmm. physically but that's how I would define enemy gotcha I'm so glad that you took the mic first Um, (laughs) it's it is hard thanks for letting me stumble around we had to let beauty go before brains (laughs) (laughs) yeah Ryan you are too kind I I try (laughs) it's hard to define what an enemy is yeah because you don't want to say just because I disagree with you you're my enemy Um, that's not the approach Christ takes I think it's, it's that feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when someone mm-hmm. says something or does something to you that you're like, I you're making me feel very unsafe and I'm having a really hard mm-hmm. time being around you. That's yeah. good. And this, this, this just came to me right now as you were mentioning that, Natalie. You know, maybe looking at an enemy as anyone who inhibits your growth and progress Mm -hmm. could be seen as an enemy maybe they stand in the way of your emotional growth your spiritual growth yeah um maybe your physical growth career growth but maybe an enemy is somebody who prohibits Mm -hmm. the growth that you're called to, you know, mm-hmm. in your life. Well, I actually, so I was going to push back on you and then you made that clarification, you made that kind of adjustment and now I don't want to, but I am going to still say what I was going to say, um, which is that I, while I agree 100% with what you're saying, and, and I do think that's the way we should be identifying enemies or, 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 you know, working with that term, I think culture or society in general has shifted it. And within the current framework, we do seem to consider our enemies that. And so part of, are just people we disagree with. And so part of why, you know, I wanted to have this conversation was to um, to really say um, that not that an enemy is anyone that you would just consider an enemy or you would name as an enemy, but at the same time, I don't want someone to think that they shouldn't intentionally love someone just because they're, they're, they're definition of an enemy may have changed right Mm -hmm. there's still a need to love a democrat or republican because they disagree you know even if they disagree with you there's Mm -hmm. in even if you don't consider them necessarily an enemy but the the other side of that too is um i don't know that enemies are always like they know that they're your enemy um sometimes i do think an enemy can be someone who's doing the best that they know with you know the best that they know to do with the knowledge they have and they unknowingly or unwittingly um, are causing someone else harm, or they're willing to make the trade-off of causing you harm for their own self-preservation. Um, I think we see this most uh, most commonly in the area of a lot of uh, racial issues right now, mm-hmm. um, where I, I've seen this come up more and more often, where people have tried to say it's okay to disagree, agree to disagree, and agree to disagree, and and on issues that impact race. And what I started seeing racial minorities do is say like to a degree or to to a point that's okay but at some point we can't do that because the thing that you're doing is actively causing me and my people harm Mm -hmm. disagreeing and letting bygones be bygones isn't possible because like this is actively causing harm or passively causing harm and maybe you don't realize that and and um so there are those moments where i think um i i want to speak to 
um, really anyone that we might consider an enemy. But in, in doing that, I also want to agree, like I fully 100% agree with you both in saying that, yeah, an enemy is someone who is out to, is really out to get you, is someone who is causing you to stumble in your growth or an obstacle in that path, um, a way to keep trying to keep you down, um, whether they're doing it because they don't like you or they don't like themselves in the case of many bullies. Um, so I, I, I think this, this conversation can speak to all of that. Um, I hope I made sense there, maybe one way or the other. Um, but let, okay, so now let's define the second term. And this one might be a little bit easier for us. Who knows? Um, but let's define the term love uh, within the Christian framework. Um, when we say, and when, when Jesus says, love your enemy, um, what do we mean by the word love? God loves them as much as he loves you, and he wants good things for them just as much as he wants good things for you. Okay. So would you, I, I guess to, 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 you know, uh, I, to somewhat interpret that a little bit, would you yeah. basically say that loving someone is wanting more for them or better for them too? Mm-hmm. Or, like that's included in that? Is that? Yeah, I think it should be. Okay. Um, it's hard (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) especially Mm. if they don't want good things for you Mm. um or just realizing like maybe us not being involved in each other's lives is the best thing Mm. for each other and through that we show each other love Mm. wow yeah ben what about you yeah you know i think the when it comes to loving loving somebody or or what is love i think I, i would say the act of loving is seeing another human being through the lens of the worth and value to which God sees that individual, Mm -hmm. allowing you to separate the person from their actions because Mm -hmm. you see them not being identified by what they have done, the choices they have Mm -hmm. made, but what God has spoken over their life. And Mm so like when I love my 10-year-old or I love my 8-year-old, a little boy, little girl, I am loving them and and hoping that I can see them through the lens mm. that God's that yeah. God sees them. And I think that's 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 the really the key that unlocks the ability to love an enemy is you have to first be able to see yourself through the lens mm. that God sees you. Yeah. And you've got to be able to see your own worth and your own value and what mm-hmm. God has said about you and know that your worth and value, the reason you can love yourself is your worth and value are not determined by your actions or your choices. Mm-hmm. Your worth and value are given to you as a gift. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. claim them every day, but you don't earn them or mm-hmm. lose them every day. And so... Yeah. You know, I think for me, if I can't see myself through that lens, there is no hope yep. that I'm going to love anybody else. If I hate myself, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to love anybody else well. And so, yeah. again, the act of loving, seeing people through the lens of gospel mm-hmm. yeah. and seeing their worth and value as given to them, not mm-hmm. earned or lost by them, and then mm-hmm. engaging with that person from that perspective of, of that yeah. lens. And I think I think that that is that is really good because what it doesn't do is it doesn't just disregard their thoughts, actions or beliefs. But what it does is it gives you the perspective to say, like, if I know this to be true about them because it's true about me from God, um, then and I know that their thoughts, actions or beliefs are not in harmony with what God has said over them or spoken over them, then I can treat them in a way that 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 is um, that is nudging us both towards being better um, 
better reflections of what God has spoken over us, right? And it is it is um, loving with purpose, not loving necessarily with some agenda um, to change right. someone else, but rather um, love changes both of you. The act of it mm-hmm. changes both of you because you can't, al- while also knowing that God has spoken that over you, you can't necessarily believe, you have to be careful to not believe that you're already perfectly living out those truths either. And so it very much is this act when you're loving the other or you're loving an enemy, it is both of you coming into that truth that God has spoken over your lives yeah. as a, you know, together in a journey. And I, yeah, and I think a few things like to, to debunk a couple myths Yeah, um, uh, just about loving someone, you know, loving someone is not waiting for them to ask you to love that person, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And loving somebody is not a conditional contract that I'm going to love you if you fulfill A, B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. Loving is also not a lessening of the offense yeah. of what somebody, if you would consider them to be an enemy, what that what they did, you know, mm-hmm. to you. And so I think, yeah, just kind of looking at you know some of those pieces of what love, um, you know, what it's not. And then being able to say you love because God has loved you, mm-hmm. you know, and you yeah. mentioned that, you know, right at the very beginning. And so, yeah, I think, again, the key that unlocks the ability to love an enemy is the fact that we begin to love ourselves and see ourselves in mm-hmm. the way that mm-hmm. God, that God sees us. Yeah. Yeah. I w- Go ahead. Realizing like I don't deserve to be in this toxic relationship with this person and realizing they might feel that this is toxic mm-hmm. as well, but they don't know how to voice exactly what's going on to yeah. to inhibit these negative things that are happening. Mm. Yeah. I would go ahead. You're I fine. was just going to say, and there's so much in here. Um, I was just going to say the Bible does not anywhere call you to like everyone yep. <laughs> yep. so, so and what yep. i mean what i mean by that is you are not called to do life with everybody right. and if somebody you mentioned natalie uh, natalie being in a toxic relationship if if there's a relationship that has a toxicity to it it's not a mutually beneficial relationship like you're not called to like everyone right. but by god's grace and mercy and power over time, we're works in progress. I think we can begin to see everyone through the lens of love yeah. and mm-hmm. gospel, but it doesn't mean you are called to spend significant time with every yeah. single person. Yeah. I can tell you what I got punched in the gut going home from elementary school. Those were not the kids the next day that I was playing with on the playground. I can tell you that right yep. now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not called to like everyone. Yeah. But we are called, I think, over time through the working of the Holy Spirit to begin, it's a process, to see people through Mm -hmm. the lens of gospel in the way that God sees us. I think yeah. um, one of the things that, that's kind of implicit in the in the fact that this is a command from Jesus is the idea, like, I cannot command you to feel a certain way. And I think one of the things that we do need to de- that we do need to just kind of remind people of, um, or maybe teach for the first time, is that um, love is not just this feeling. In fact, um, there have been times where I felt the exact same way about a girlfriend. Um, that I have about like my dog or an inanimate object or a game or something like like you know what I mean like you can have those strong welled up feelings of affection for something or for someone uh, that doesn't and we would call that love but that doesn't necessarily love is beyond just that feeling uh, yeah. love is that choice that you have to make and it is an action it is a verb um, and so I can't tell you to feel love for someone else but I can tell you to treat them with 
love right. because we do know to some extent innately um, what love what loving someone actively looks like we want to do those things when we do feel that affection mm -hmm. so choosing to love means choosing to still do those things even when the affection and that that ex that that um, extra motivation that the affection gives you to do them you're still doing them anyway mm -hmm. um, I would I, that would be the one thing that I would add um, to to that definition I think so yeah I think we've got a pretty good working definition here um, so why is or why do you think loving your enemy is something that is so important within the realm of Christianity why is that something that Jesus seems to be so um, the harp you know takes so seriously and it seems to be a th recurring theme throughout scripture just because like we said before we're all children of God and we all deserve to um, pursue happiness in the same way and there are going to be times in life when you are someone else's enemy and you're gonna really wish that your community would show you love because mm -hmm it's a hard time for you. Um, and so I think there are a lot of situations where there are people who have done things wrong and they should be held accountable. But if you remove that love of Christ from them, it doesn't give them any hope to recover um, from those negative things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, th I think um, I 100% agree. And when you think about loving someone, I mean, ultimately when a human loves another human it gives ultimate glory to god who mm -hmm. is the source of mm -hmm. of love you know that yeah. people that are republican and democrat black and white different sides of the tracks different countries mm -hmm. can have a worth and value that they place on each other and a mutual respect and care mm -hmm. call it god or call it something else but that gives glory i think mm -hmm. To, to God and so ultimately you know we are called to love because when we act upon love and engage in love it gives God glory you know mm, yeah. for being the source of love and I also think that the reason we're called to love um, and I'm not sure if anybody has ever thought it like this but the reason I, one of the reasons why I think we're called to love is if we don't actively love, we forget how loved we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so every time you love somebody who is unlovable or they're testing your patience or they broke up with you or whatever, every time you look at that person through the lens of gospel and the worth and value that God has spoken over their life and you treat them from that lens, it is a reminder right away of how loved you are and how much worth and value that we have. And so I think it's one of those things where it's like if we wake up every day and say, oh, God, thank you for loving me, and then love no one, hmm. that love that God has for us, that's really not sinking that deep inside yeah. of us unless we're putting it into practice yep. and letting yeah. it kind of flow out. Uh, I, I, I agree very much with this, and I, I think – um, a big part of it is it, it, it is a natural extension. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't had to yep. do already, mm -hmm. right? Like this is this is one of the things that I always teach, especially when I'm training uh, small group leaders, teaching people how to navigate small group conversations, whatever, is I always say, do not ask a question or make a request of your group members that you are unwilling to do yourself. Um, and one of the interesting things about everything in Scripture that Jesus commands is, is it's something that he is 
either already done in some way, shape, or form. Um, it is something that you know, whether it's advocating, whether it's you know, e- whether it's just the principle, not necessarily like uh, Jesus has also gone before Pharaoh himself and said, "Let my people go." You know, not like a literal he's done it, but just being, just knowing that I, what is it Romans that says, "While we were yet enemies." Uh, of God. He loved us in this way that he died for us. And um, very much, I think this is, God is asking us to, I guess, let me put it this way. The end of our story is not heaven. It is right back on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. That's the end of Revelation. It doesn't end in in heaven. That's a short, that's that's like a pit stop, Um, a long one, but a pit stop. And I think that God has called us to very much be the expression of the kingdom of God on this planet now because ultimately this is the home that we end up on anyway right and so in that expression and this is where we get something from paul where he says you know we are citizens of heaven um basically tourists here but we're living as if we are from somewhere else and being that expression of the kingdom of god means doing the things that you would do in the kingdom of god and in the kingdom of god you are called to love um one of the natural things that you do is you love people um and so beginning to live as if eternity has already started is a really important thing in this. And, and I think loving your enemy is a huge part of that. Um, so yeah, I, that's where I, where I say, or where I would contribute to that, that question. I heard a young adult tell me one time, they said, if heaven doesn't start until you're dead, where's the hope in that? Yep. <laughs> the, the idea that you're right. I mean, the, the eternal principles of love laid out in the laid out and modeled by the life of Jesus are meant to be lived in the present mm-hmm. um, so they so they those in loving we and the people that we're engaging with can have an effect that will last into eternity and I don't know I, I'd be curious what you what you both think about this loving in the way I see it is very similar to forgiveness yeah. in that mm-hmm. forgiveness is really not for the other person it's mm-hmm. for us and I think we really reap the biggest rewards of loving somebody, valuing them, and engaging mm-hmm. with them from value. We get the biggest rewards, you know, out of those experiences. We can never control mm-hmm. how somebody's going to respond exactly, to yeah. us forgiving them, right. and we never can respond to the love you give somebody. And somebody may say, "Forget you," like mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't want to hear that. That's right. not my thing. But I think we we are just so blessed to be able to give from the outflow of what God mm-hmm. has given us. I, th- I think for me, when we love, and especially difficult people, we are the ones that are so blessed you mm-hmm. know, by being right. able to do that. Yeah, we double our pain when we choose to hold on to what people Ooh. have done to us. Hang on, say, say that again <laughs> for those in the back. We double our pain when we choose to hold on to things yeah. and not forgive. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I would agree with that. And, and I would add too with forgiveness, like you cannot forgive until you've processed what has happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is very much a healing process. And I'd argue the same is true for loving someone. Um, loving someone doesn't mean disregarding what they have done or what they are doing. Um, loving someone is simply saying that you're not going to let that be the ultimate definer or let their behavior and action be what defines you and how yeah. you respond. Um, if anything, I think loving people is, is one of, and in the same with forgiveness, um, if it is an enemy, then loving them is the first act of you regaining your agency in your own life. Because if they are your enemy and standing in your way, and if you are constantly responding to that, then that means you are letting your enemy determine your actions. 
um, because you are acting in a way that says, I'm going to respond in kind or I'm going to react based on what they have done to me. But loving your enemy means I'm going to respond based on something completely separate from whatever they've done to me. I'm going to respond based on my identity in Christ and their identity in Christ. And I'm going to, and so it's not determined on them anymore. It is reclaiming agency that your enemy has taken from you. Mm -hmm. That is very much what forgiveness is and what love is. And it is an act of um, personal and interpersonal empowerment in my mind. Um, so that's, yeah. that's so good. And I, I think to just add to that, you know, when we, when we take that victim mentality, we really put the power in somebody else's hands that God mm -hmm. has really given us mm -hmm. to create change, to be able to say, I'm not powerless. You know, God really has given me, um, his power and his support and his love to enter into a process of healing so I can extend love and mm. forgiveness, you know, to that, to that individual. So yeah, I think we never, we never should have the mindset that, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm powerless. No, you are not powerless. You have all the power, um, that was used to create everything that's in existence at the, at the tip of your fingers to begin to use that and mm -hmm. do the hard work so you can begin to impact somebody else's life. But I, yeah, I just think there's, there's so much Ryan into this, you know, and loving, loving your enemy does not mean you stay in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it doesn't mean that you put yourself back in an environment that is toxic over and over. Sometimes you have to love from a distance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't need to love in this season. And maybe the Holy Spirit will open up a door for you to come back around in five years or mm -hmm. 10 years for you to for you to love that person. And um, I think about a relationship my wife had with her family where um, her mom and dad and, and her side of the family didn't show up at our wedding. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very complicated situation on her side of the family. But that was really hard to forgive. Yeah this no-show on a day that was supposed to be the greatest day of your life, my dad walked my wife, Kim, down the aisle instead of her own birth dad. Mm -hmm. And just, so when we reflect on our wedding day, um, I have a lot of very happy moments. For her, it, it was a lot of disappointment because somebody mm -hmm. didn't didn't show up. And there came a point in, in early on in our marriage where we said for for my wife Kim's emotional health and well-being, we are going to cut them off, and because it's just mm -hmm. not a healthy relationship, you know, it was an enemy to yep. progress. What we didn't know is, within two years, God would reopen that door by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where over the last twelve years, the most incredible healing mm. has happened. So sometimes, with an enemy, and I, I think this is the one of the key principles when it comes to engaging with somebody that you would consider to be an, an enemy, somebody doing you harm, is you have to make your engagement decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit and yep. counsel from people who really know you and they know the situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so if you're, if you're getting beat down emotionally, I mean, it could even be physically, it could be by the culture, you need to really ask yourself, how does the Holy Spirit want me to engage with this mm -hmm. individual, this culture, this situation and seek some counsel with that. Yeah. And some people, you got to walk away. I mean, Ryan, you talked yeah. about, about that relationally. You need to walk away. Maybe God will bring you back. Maybe he never will. 
within that situation, but you need to walk away. You're not devaluing that person. You're still seeing them as a child of God. You just know Mm -hmm. that you cannot thrive in the presence of that culture or that individual. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to have the courage to make those decisions. Boundaries are a huge uh, huge part of loving someone well. Um, having proper boundaries for yourself and proper boundaries between you and someone else. And sometimes that, that boundary has to come up for a while. I think, uh, one of the questions, even forgiveness is, is kind of on that same level of love your enemy of, you know, you, you must forgive as you have been forgiven. And, um, the, the, the question, the most common question I get asked about forgiveness is, you know, what if I can't forgive right now? I'm trying, I'm trying, I just can't, I'm not there yet. And over time, I think the answer that I've, that I've kind of crafted from from wrestling with that question of, well, we're supposed to forgive, but I can't, I just can't right now, right? There are some things, you're supposed to be like your Heavenly Father, um, but also we can't speak the universe into it. Like there are certain things <laughs> and aspects of who we are that literally we, we, can, we, can, we can try, but we can't actually physically do those things. And God can forgive and, and move past things a lot quicker than, than we can. Um, and so one of the things that I've come to the conclusion on forgiveness, and now this is the first time I would apply it to loving your enemy as well, is I always say that if you are in a position where you cannot forgive now, every decision that you make and every action that you take should be in the trajectory that leads you toward forgiveness. So the mm-hmm. questions that you're asking are, what do I need to do in order to get there? Um, what can I do now that will set me up for success then? And I would say the same with love. If I say I can't, I, I'm in a position where I cannot love you either because you are doing something that won't allow that, won't allow me to be able to do that. Or there is, there is harm and both of us are doing, um, both of us keep hurting each other, right? We're both not ready for this. Um, then you say, I have to put this boundary up. I cannot do this well. So the best way for me to love you is to put space. Um, because I'm protecting you from me even. Mm -hmm. Um, And then every decision you're making is in that trajectory so that if God does open that door again, um, you are ready to walk through it. Um, And that trajectory, so you're always moving in this this path toward... toward love and toward forgiveness and I think that is in itself a an act of love how would you recommend creating healthy boundaries um so this is fun um because I've had to do this several times uh one whether I liked it or not that's a that's a good question yeah well done um Natalie's now the host of echo um (laughs) congratulations (laughs) um the the first thing with boundaries is you have to understand and you have to have an understanding of your own value and worth in Christ. Um, because if you don't, you will never be able to, to identify what the line is that you will allow someone that you will not allow someone else to cross in your life. Right. Um, this is, this is where people get into relationships that they really shouldn't be in, but they think this is the best I can do. So I'm just going to settle. Um, because they don't have that proper worth. They'll allow that person to hurt them, abuse them, manipulate them because they don't have a proper understanding of their own worth. Um, I think some boundaries just flat out become obvious when you do have that understanding. What that would be my first thing is is the first place to start is right in your own heart between you and God, identifying the things that God says about you and and learning to embrace those, not just accept them as true, but but really embrace them and live by them. Um, that's number one. And number two, I think uh, then learning what are the things that that cause me to do harm to others, and putting boundaries to to protect or to mitigate those. Uh, those from happening as much as possible. Uh, those those are kind of the first two things that I would say when it comes to boundaries is 
first you have to be able to identify them and those are the steps i would take to identify them i don't know if you have any thoughts to this one i yeah i think those are really good um i would i might suggest that when it comes to you processing do i need to set boundaries first begin to make a list of everything you need in your life mm. to thrive mm. yeah because I, I i meet a lot of people who have the mindset of what they're not going to do but mm-hmm. they never build a system in of what they need to have happen within their life and so just ask yourself like if i'm going to thrive spiritually physically emotionally in community with my career if i'm going to thrive what elements need to be in my life so that i can thrive and i'll just say this when i look at you know following jesus um, we are never promised a life free from struggle, but we are promised that we can thrive mm-hmm. through the power of the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so asking yourself, what do I need to thrive? And then creating boundaries from anything mm-hmm. that threatens those components of what you yep. need to thrive. Like if I'm going to thrive, I need a healthy, supportive, mm-hmm. loving, Christ-centered community. I yeah. need that. I'm not like I'm not. I'm not called to do life alone. And when I do life alone, I get lost in my own thoughts of depression mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and self doubt and all this stuff. Okay, so I need a healthy community. The community I have right now is not healthy. Mm-hmm. So I've got to set a boundary there, and then I have to intentionally go find and begin to engage in that healthy healthy community. So whether you set a boundary first or second. Make sure that as you are setting a boundary, you're also intentionally going after what you really need in your life so you can be proactive, yeah. you know, about those things. And I'll just, you know, setting boundaries is really hard. <laughs> it's yes. hard, you know. Like what happens when you got it when you have to set a boundary with a family member? Yep. Mm. Oh, you're like, I'm related to this person. Yeah. Like if I just met them in Target we could just depart and never see each other, mm-hmm. but I have to see this person. Or maybe yeah. you don't, but I think that can be hard. And I would just say, go at it from a team approach. Mm-hmm. Have a team around you that you can share the boundary that you are setting yep. up for yourself in your own life so you can thrive, so you can bless other mm-hmm. people, but verbalize mm-hmm. that boundary and ask people for support. Like, I need your help on this one. Yep. Um, I need your help because I'm going back home at for the holidays and I don't need to meet up with this person mm-hmm. and I need some help with accountability and support mm-hmm. you know to be able to do that yeah. but as much as you think about setting boundaries think equally or even more about being proactive with the things that you really do need mm-hmm. in your life to be healthy and, and also <laughs> I'm going to step on some health toes just for fun because Ron, we're having this podcast. I I meet um, a fair amount of people here and there, and I love health, and, and you're going to get where I'm going with this. I love health and wellness and st- exercise and stuff. Mm-hmm. You sound like a walking CrossFit thank, thank gym. You, thank so you so I much, love it. Ryan. <laughs> thank you so much. You come to Portland, we'll, we'll exercise together. I'm in. But I, I meet so many Adventists that pride themselves when it Mm. comes to their health approach in what they are not doing compared to what they are actually Mm -hmm. doing to have a healthy life. And so if you're not going to eat this or you're not going to drink this, that's fine. And that there is value in that because Mm -hmm. you've got to recognize things that are undermining your health. But what are you doing that is really going to be 
positive to grow your health. And I'm going to say for a lot of people, not eating sugar and going on a slow walk every day is not enough. I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. If you're going to change your diet, you probably need to be even more intentional about your fitness approach and what are you doing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, to bring this back full circle, I think just thinking about, you know, your enemies, um, as much as you need to set boundaries, be proactive about adding the people into your life who are really going to support the mission and the purpose and the calling Mm -hmm. that God has for you. So as much as you may need to say no, you need to say yes Mm -hmm. to make sure you've got those people within your life. And I, I don't know, I just think there's a lot of people I meet and the no's are hard, uh, but sometimes it can be easier to say no than own it and own your journey and begin to add mm-hmm. those elements that you yeah. need to have in your life. So yes. all that to say, just be proactive, I think, yeah. on both fronts. I think there's a lot of people that, um, like if I asked this question to a lot, a majority of people, the answer would, would <clears throat> probably not surprise me, which is that most people don't even know their own core values. Yep. And um, so the core value that they operate on is whatever I feel like doing in this yep. moment. And so they lack consistency in their life as a result. And being able to sit down and proactively list what is important to me will actually help you identify what your enemies are to begin with or who your enemies are to begin with, too. Um, so that's huge. Um, I do want to shift um, to um, uh, something. We're, we're, well, we're still on practical, so I'm not shifting that part. But I do want what practical steps then. Um, can we take to actually then love our enemy? And boundaries are clearly one of them, right? And and right. Um, enforcing boundaries, setting them up, creating them, all of that. Um, but what are some practical things that I can do to actually extend love to someone that I may consider an enemy? I would say resist the temptation to speak negatively to about them to people who aren't involved in the situation or are actually people who can give you counsel. Um, because then you're just slandering their name and Mm. yeah Hmm. yeah um, preventing um, the negative talk reinforces those beliefs Um, and that's a problem that a lot of us have with believing the lies about ourselves right is we keep hearing them Mm -hmm. in fact I think that there are studies done I I regularly preach on this there there were studies done that show that in in healthy families the average ratio of positive to negative comments is seven to one that means for every negative comment, there's seven positive comments that are overpowering that. Another way to he- another way to hear that is uh, it takes at least seven in a family setting. In friend settings, it's ten. Wow. Um, to undo the power that one negative statement has. Wow. And um, being intentional about not speaking those negative comments out loud helps to. Um, helps to keep you you from staying in those negative feelings. I'm not saying you can't express that you're frustrated or hurt or upset. I'm not saying like bottle that up, um, but instead to be careful to, to, or to make sure that the decision you're making is on the trajectory of love and saying, yeah, I am frustrating and hurt and upset, but I'm not going to speak more about this person than um, what is actually true or relevant or real to this specific situation. I'm not going to discredit them further because that's just going to reinforce my own belief that they are against me. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great. Um, you mentioned earlier, Ryan, the emotional aspects, you know, mm-hmm. of loving your enemy. And I think being able to recognize that feelings are not Lord over your life, mm-hmm. that the word of God is Lord over your life. And so, you know, when it comes to the practicalities, 
I think in loving our enemy, our number one priority, and I'm actually going to be speaking on this tonight at a at a young adult conference in yeah. Charlotte, but our number one priority is to receive love from the Father, mm-hmm. you know, in that secret place every day and to be able to claim the identity that we have from God and spend time in the presence of God. So I would say in loving your enemy, be selfish mm. with the time that you are receiving love from God. Mm. And I'll just, I'll say this. I can't speak for Natalie because she seems very loving. I am not a, I am not a loving person. I mean, one yeah. time, one time a guy was yelling at me in a parking lot saying obscenities. And I'm like, oh God, this is getting underneath my skin. You know, God help me out here. And I rolled down the window and I said, I don't think I heard what you said. It was like an intense moment. Oh, my word. And then on, on my license plate was written the word youth pastor. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, God, I'm not loving. You know, I'm not a loving yeah. person. So loving your enemies, it's not just like saying, let's just do more push-ups. And work. you don't work at it harder. You receive love more and you give love mm-hmm. more. And so loving is from the overflow of what you have been given. Now the trying, I think, comes in the intentionality to not miss those opportunities, but you don't will yourself to be more loving. You become more loving because you spend time with love, Mm -hmm. and that's God. And out of that overflow, you begin to be very intentional about those moments when you can love, and the more you put it into practice, the more it reinforces mm-hmm. the love that God has spoken over our own life. And so, Natalie, you're right. I mean, I think on the practical side, uh, be very careful about how you speak about people, mm. and yeah. don't gossip about people. Like you may have be frustrated with an enemy, but be very careful in what context you share your frustration with about that person. It could get back to them, or it may just fuel those Mm. feelings Mm -hmm. of hatred and anger when when it's really saying, okay, time out. That person is not what he or she did to me. That Mm -hmm. person is a child of God because I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose because love is a choice. (laughs) I'm going to choose to see somebody through that lens. And maybe it's going to mean that I love them from a distance. Mm. Or maybe I just love them in my own heart and it never turns into action. But I want to be able to see them in that way. And one thing I'll bring up, and I don't want to take too much time here at the end. Yeah, you're good. But I think with forgiveness and, and love, Ryan, you tied those two in to be similar in process. When it comes to loving people, I think forgiveness is tied in there. And um, Natalie, I've heard you speak on this on a different episode. We have to be willing to put in the work so we can come to the place where yeah. we can forgive and love somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is not an overnight process and you think mm-hmm. about it god can love in the moment because god is love we love over a lifetime because we are in the process of becoming mm. love yeah but it's a process yeah and so if you if you have an enemy and right now you think i just can't love that person that's okay mm. it's okay because we are in the process of working through some of that junk and so all this to say don't shame yourself if you don't feel love hmm. right now 
for somebody who has wronged you yeah. and be willing to put in the hard work of forgiveness and processing where you can come to a place where you can say, I hate what that person did to me. I hate it, but I don't hate that person because I see that person through the lens of gospel mm-hmm. and I hate what they did, but I don't hate that person. Yeah. And, and being able to go through that process. And if you need to, if you need to do some counseling, counseling is courageous. Talking to somebody mm-hmm. is courageous. Sharing your story is courageous. But just know that loving an enemy and forgiving somebody, it is hard work. Mm-hmm. And it's never happened for me overnight. It's happened over years. Yeah. And being able to put in that hard work and be patient with the process as God does the internal work so you can do the external work. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great uh, little bow uh, to wrap this episode in. And uh, I, I want to thank you both for what you've shared. I do hope that as uh, for those listening, that there is something here you can take and apply um, and, um, and extend out to those around you and in your own heart as well. And Um, We just want to thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Thank you to you both for sharing your hearts and your thoughts and perspectives as well. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to Echo and for being on this journey with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope that you'll leave a comment, subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting app that you like the most, we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button, that you'll leave a review, and that you'll engage with us. And also for more content from Project Refresh that's like Echo and some of the other shows that we host, then head on over to theprojectrefresh.org. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us, and we'll see you next week. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.